Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 37 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today, I'll be talking to IFBB bodybuilding pro, fitness model, and cancer survivor, Helen Fritsch. Before we get to that, though, as we kick off this new season of episodes, I am on the lookout for more everyday seasoned athletes to feature on the show. Now, what's an everyday seasoned athlete, you may be asking? Well, it could be you. I'm looking for fitness enthusiasts, the weekend warriors, the beer league participants. I want to know what about your chosen sport fires you up, why you do what you do, and what amazing advice you can share with other potential seasoned athletes. If you have a story to tell, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell me a little bit about yourself. You may get to tell your story in your own words on a future episode. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, fitness model and bodybuilder, Helen Fritsch. Hi, Helen. Hey, Robin. How are you? I'm great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Absolutely. That's what I like to hear. You are Helen Fritsch, a flight attendant, published fitness model, IFBB bodybuilding pro and certified wine specialist who believes that age is irrelevant to pursue goals, dreams and desires. To that end, you started competing in bodybuilding shows when you turned 55 and consistently placed in the top five. When you turned 60 last year, you won a national championship and earned your pro card. Four years ago, you were diagnosed with chronic lymphocystic leukemia, but that didn't stop you from pursuing your athletic goals. Furthermore, your cancer has not advanced, which you believe is due to your healthy lifestyle. You've been featured in Oxygen Magazine, Define Magazine, Center Stage Magazine, and you write a column in Max Sports and Fitness Magazine called Forever Young. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Um, actually, I just think from the very beginning, um, you know, I, I have to really give a, a ton of credit to my parents. Um, they were both athletic and from a very young age. They had us out running around and doing all kinds of, you know, sports, golf, tennis, um, playing at the park, um, making up games on our own. We lived all over the world with my dad's job. So we had to get creative. And I honestly think that just that lifestyle helped me, you know, become the athlete that I am today. I love that. That's very cool. It's nice to have positive influences in your life leading you in in directions that you probably never imagined you'd be in at this stage, right? Exactly. Exactly. So from here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? My age today is 61 years old. That is amazing. And I'm going to tell you, I I did a little like uh, Facebook stalking of you, as I do with my guests. And I... (laughs) I was like, are you kidding? This woman is 60 years, 61 years old. Like, are you kidding me? You look amazing. You would, I would never have pinned you for 61. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, credit to your lifestyle. We're going to really talk about that. We're going to, we're going to dig in. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Um, I started playing sports when I was in junior high and I just couldn't get onto a sports team fast enough. Like I mentioned earlier, um, my father actually was a star athlete in high school and college. He qualified for the Olympics in track and field. 
And I would just spend all this time, especially when I was young, looking at his trophies and his medals and his scrapbooks. And I just aspired to be like him, and I wanted to be an athlete like him one day. So finally, when I got to junior high, I joined the basketball team, and I became a cheerleader, like I think every girl wants to do in her life. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just took off from there. Once I got to high school, I dropped the cheerleading, and I picked up track, and I was pretty much just a naturally good athlete. And um, then I started playing tennis. I'd played tennis my whole life, and I, you know, jumped on the tennis team and, you know, ran track and cross country. And it just kind of took off from there. I belonged, uh, I ran with a high school team. We were state champions, you know, every year that I was in high school. Um, I was number one on my tennis team. I, you know, I played basketball. We won state championships in cross country also. And then I went to University of Kentucky and ran track there. So it was just one of these things where I look at today and I see all the um, things that young athletes have at their, you know, every beck and call as far as nutrition and weight training. And, you know, back then it was just practice and natural ability. So I feel very fortunate to have been just a natural good athlete. Yeah. And, and a lot of that other stuff you probably just had to figure out on your own to a certain degree. Exactly. Exactly. I was, I was a very, very thin, very, very skinny um, girl in high school. And I, I would cry about it. My mother would be like, Oh, one day, you know, don't worry one day you'll, you'll fill out. But I was just so active in sports. I was just blowing through calories and just, you know, I just wasn't eating enough. I thought I was eating enough, but obviously I, I wasn't. And it's just, uh, I kind of chuckle now because now you're like, okay, where's that metabolism now? <laughs> right, right. Now, yeah. Now that I, especially now that you're in bodybuilding, it's like, if only, if only you could eat whatever you want and, and have it be consequence free. Exactly. Exactly. So beyond college, did you continue participating in sports or competing? Because I know you didn't get into bodybuilding until much later. Right. And so, yeah, so I, you know, I graduated, um, I graduated with a physical education degree. So I was a PE teacher, PE and, and health. And I taught school for a while and then I ended up um, getting married and then went through a very bad divorce and I was just looking to kind of start over. And if it wasn't for working out, I mean, working out saved me. It literally did. And so I was finally able to get out of that bad situation and then um, packed up my things and um, took a job as a flight attendant for Piedmont Airlines and moved from Lexington, Kentucky to Charlotte, North Carolina and literally just started over. And I continued to work out in my 30s and my 40s and went through all the phases of like step classes and jazzercise and, you know, <laughs> all the eras, um, all the all the hot workouts of the time. Exactly. And I was right in the middle of all that. And I, I, I actually became a personal trainer um, in the 90s. And so I did that for quite some time. And then I finally let my certification go because it was just too difficult for me to spend all that money on trying to stay updated and travel around the country to you know, get to where I needed to go to get those, you know, accredited classes. Um, but yeah, I mean, working out has been a very, very vital part of my life. And I attribute a lot of that. Um, I feel very, very blessed to have been in that mind frame that I turned to um, sports or exercise in times of need for, especially for my brain. Um, if it wasn't for me getting those endorphins and, and getting some stress release, you know, through exercise, I don't really think I'd be where here where, where I am today. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think a lot of people don't look at exercise in that way. And that, you know, it's 
people view it as a something you need to do to lose weight or be in shape or be healthy or prevent disease, but they don't think about the mental benefits of exercise. I, I am a trainer and I have a client that comes to me because um, she has a high level of anxiety in her life and, and our workouts keep it at bay. And so she knows that beyond anything physical, she needs it for her mental health. Um, and I think there are so many mental and emotional benefits of exercise and people don't even think about it that way. So I'm glad you're sharing that because I think it's so important. I agree. I, it's really, really important. And even today, even with my crazy schedule um, and even with bodybuilding, especially during contest prep, I mean, it's all mindset. So, you know, if you don't have a good frame of mind and you get sluggish, then, you know, things kind of go down the tubes really, really fast. I mean, I've literally pulled up to the gym at times and looked at it and then just put my car in reverse and just <laughs> driven away. Yeah. Just because my mindset was not there, but it's just, and there's many, many times when I go to the gym or I'll go to a class, um, you know, I force myself to get up, I force myself to get there. And then afterwards you're like, oh, I'm so happy I went. Oh, I feel great. I'm really, really glad that I, you know, forced myself to do that because a lot of times it's you versus you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're your own worst enemy. You can, I can talk myself out of things or into things like at the drop of a hat. So it's just, it's, you know, that's part of being human, I guess. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just really rare to have felt you know, to do a workout and be like, I really regret doing that workout. Like you could be suffering through the workout, but it's a rare event that when you're done, you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, unless you're in just a pure state of overtraining, more often than not, you'll be happy you have done it. You just, you have to get over that mental hurdle. No, yes, I agree with that 100%. I don't think I've ever, you know, left a workout thinking, you know, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's talk about bodybuilding. How did you get into bodybuilding? Well, I turned 55 and I realized that, you know, time was flying and, you know, 60 was just around the corner. And I just really wanted to test my limits. And I just thought, you know, I, you, you look at magazine covers on, on, on your fitness magazines and you're like, how do those gals get like that? I mean, I just really, I mean, I worked out, but I just didn't really have any idea, you know, and I, at, at, the, at that point, I mean, in time, I ate good, but, you know, not like I'm eating now. So it was all about just gaining knowledge and insight. And so I kind of asked around thinking, I just want to get in the best shape ever before I turn 60. And several people were like, well, you should look into bodybuilding. I mean, that's how those women on, you know, get on the covers because they're normally participating in some type of bodybuilding show or they're, they're fitness athletes and, you know, but most of them, you know, do compete. A lot of them are fitness models. And I took a look at it and I was amazed and overwhelmed at how strict the diet was and how, you know, all the sweets and chocolate and wine went out the window. Um, And at the time I'm a certified wine specialist. That's one of my hobbies. And I had just gotten back. I was out in Oregon. I I took leave of absence from my job as a flight attendant. I moved to Oregon and worked at a vineyard for a couple of years as a wine intern came back and I was working at a little wine shop part-time and it was a chocolate shop too. And I thought, I, I can't give up wine. It's part of my job. I have to drink wine every day. And so I literally, I shelved the whole, the idea. I said, I'll, I'll look at this later, but you know, I'm a firm believer in the universe and you know, my blinders are wide open. I don't have any more peripheral, you know, views of things. I really am just always aware of what the universe is trying to present to me. 
And six months later, I was walking in to train with one of my um, trainers, and she was running behind with a client who was prepping for a show, and they were working on their posing. And so I was watching and really intrigued, and then the, the uh, competitor came over and said, oh, do you compete? And I said, no. And she's like, well, you should. And my trainer was like, see, I told you. And my trainer was like, Helen, there's a show in a month. And, of course, now I laugh because there's no way you can get ready for a show in a month. <laughs> but she was just like, we'll tweak your diet. You know, we'll, 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 um, we'll do some things at, during your peak week, and you'll be fine. And I, I believed her, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I just did everything cold turkey. I stopped drinking. I stopped all the sweets. Um, I literally did feel like I was a rat in a maze because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I followed her advice, and I did everything like I was supposed to do. And I here I am, you know, entering a bikini contest that's, you know, against girls 20 years younger than me. But I managed to come in third. Wow. And I, I liked it. I was like, this is freaking awesome. And I really look good. I mean, I couldn't believe it. The, the, the body is an amazing machine. It just fascinates me to this day how you can eat something for a couple of days or take something away for a couple of days and how your body composition changes. And I just was on a roll. I, you know, a couple months later, I entered a big national masters um, show and I came in third in that. And so I ended up doing like maybe three shows a year because it really is kind of hard on your body. And then um, just kept on improving my physique and, you know, along the way met amazing people and, really learned the science of nutrition and, and bodybuilding itself. And then um, I got some new coaches uh, a year ago, uh, two years ago, and I told them, I said, I said, next summer I want to enter, I want to go back to this Masters National Show, and I'm going to enter the 60-plus figure, I said, and I'm going to win. And I was just, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, I have a little chalkboard beside my garage door and I kind of write like, you know, little inspirational things on there. And every time I walked by there, all I saw was 60 plus figure and, and it was the date of my birthday, 718. And I would see that every day. I'm like, yep, that's what I'm doing. Yep, that's what I'm doing. And, you know, it actually came to fruition. So it was just one of those just surreal moments where I turned 60 and the same day I win my pro card. So it was uh, it was pretty awesome. That's a pretty amazing birthday present. Unbelievable birthday present. And the day before, I thought, well, well, since I'm here, I'll just jump in the 50 plus bikini. And I came in third in that. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great week. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it just seems like it's a there's something in your mindset that really connects to this sport. And especially at this stage of your life where it sounds like you're really into sort of analyzing what makes the body tick, you know, nutrition wise, training wise, mental focus wise. And you kind of can get it all on lock. And it sounds like you could do it pretty quickly uh, based on that first competition. So it seems like the sport really works for you at the stage of life that you're in. It really does. And I have a lot of people, especially women, um, you know, with me being a flight attendant, I'm always, you know, all the gals at work are always, you know, asking me lots of questions about diet and nutrition because I prep all my food for work and my little cooler is my little um, sidekick. I don't go anywhere without it. Even when I go overseas, um, I'm flying to Paris tomorrow for work and I'll bring all my own food. 
So um, I imagine that's pretty rare, too, in, in the industry. It is. And um, especially because, you know, we're flying on big jets and there's tons of food on the airplane and lots of desserts and lots of junk. And a lot of times, you know, the, the flight crew will it just eat because they're bored. Mm-hmm. So I just always try to make sure that I have if I get bored and I want just something to crunch on, it's going to be celery or it's going to be, you know, some hummus with some rice crackers or, you know, something, a piece of fruit or something that I can you know, at least tied me over until I get to my next meal. Um, but I'm just used to that now. I, I cook in bulk, and so it's much easier for me to do a grab-and-go. Um, my scale, my kitchen scale is my best friend. I, I even travel with that if I have to because that's crucial depending on what your goal is. If you want to lose weight, you know, gain weight, put on muscle, you know, it all, it all depends on how much food you're eating. And in today's society of, of supersize me, um, you know, a lot of people just overeat, but they don't even realize it. Oh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's an issue too. But um, yeah, I'm just used to it now. It's a little overwhelming at first, sure. but I, I'm multitasking and um, I, I get it all done. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that could be an inspiration to anybody who has to travel frequently for a living or does travel. Cause I know that a lot of people, struggle with that. I struggle with eating healthy when they're on the road or on or traveling beyond people, you know, flight attendants and people in the airline industry, but just anybody who travels. So you're showing that it can be done and you're doing it at a high level too. So, uh, you know, anybody can figure out how to prep meals, bring your own food, eat healthy, even choose, you know, healthier restaurants and, and portion out meals. Like there are ways to, eat healthy when you travel and you're showing it by being someone who travels for a living and bringing your own food. And that is true. And also too, I know like, you know, as far as the airport is concerned, you know, when people are on the road, it's tough for people to bring liquids obviously through um, security. But, you know, once you get on board the airplane, you know, the aircraft is stocked with dry ice to keep all the ice cold. So I'm always going back. I might have some freezer you know, blocks, but I'll go back and ask the flight attendants when I'm traveling, hey, can I steal a bag of dry ice just to keep my freezer blocks cold or, you know, or you can keep your food cold. So um, it is doable. And I have, um, like, if I'm going to the chiropractor or somewhere else, and they they always tell me that um, they're, clients are complaining to them because, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that because I travel. And they're like, no, 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 no. I have a I have a patient who's a flight attendant and she you know travels for a living and she competes and she's she's doing it just fine. So if she can do it, you can do it too. Yeah. So there's a will, there's a way. Exactly, and that applies to anything really. So you know, having an I can't uh, mindset is is just uh you know it it gets in the way. You don't need to do that if you switch your mindset and think about how can I. You can make anything happen. Uh, that's, you know, that's awesome. I, that's, that's one of my whole mantras is, is mindset. And it's, 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 it's crucial. It, it, yeah. It'll make you or it will break you. For sure. For sure. So let's, uh, let's talk about the cancer diagnosis. Um, because, you know, you're, you've moved, you started bodybuilding at 55, been doing all these amazing things. At what point did you get that cancer diagnosis? A year later at 56. Okay. And I... I just went in for an annual physical and my blood work came back bad and I was irritated because I thought the lab made a mistake. So I had to go back in again and get another blood test and it came back bad again. 
So then they sent me to a hematologist who just happened to be an oncologist, and that's when I, you know, kind of got the news. And it was interesting because I went in for the blood test, and I had a big show out in Seattle that I was competing in. And I literally went to see him um, probably two days before I was leaving for Seattle. And he said, okay, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what, honestly, I said, I don't want to hear the results right now. I said, because that will just consume me, and I need to stay focused on this show. I said, so let me come back next week, which was good because um, I did really well on the show. Uh, but, of course, I'd come back next week to the bad news. And just like with anything else, when you hear something like that, I'm like one of the health, healthiest people I know and living such a health, healthy lifestyle and why, you know, God chose me to have this, you know, condition. Well, it, I, I accepted it immediately. I didn't, I didn't um, really feel sorry for myself. It's just, it happened and um, I just deal with it. And I honestly think that due to eating clean and um, staying active, my oncologist is just extremely happy that, you know, after four or five years now, uh, my numbers are still hovering around the same, and nothing's really changed. So um, it is curable, and if I, you know, it does advance, I will have to do chemotherapy at some point. But for now, we're not doing anything. And half the time, I don't even realize or remember that I have it. I mean, I look at it as just a layer, and it just helps define me, you know, just one more layer that's added to my persona. Um, I don't really talk about it. I'm, I'm not a victim-slash-martyr type person. So I don't use it, you know, to, you know, um, make people feel sorry for me or try to get things that I want. It's just something that I have kind of tucked away in a pocket. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a secret. Um, if people want to talk about it, I'll, I'll talk about it. But I don't um, mention it unless I feel it's necessary. Yeah. And it sounds like you took a plan of attack with it. Like you kind of take everything in your life. Like I make a plan. I've got a goal. I, you know, you wrote your birthday on that chalkboard and you looked at it every day and it's like, this is how we're just going to handle this. And it sounds like that's kind of how you took on this speed bump in your life. Yeah. And that's, and, and you're exactly right. It, it's just definitely a speed bump to me. It might become more of a pothole down, <laughs> down the road. But here's hoping that if you just take care of the road and maintain the road, that it remains, exactly. you know, the road condition will stay okay. Exactly. It's an interesting an analogy direction that we just took, but I like it. Yeah. So um, so it is, it is what it is. And it's, um, just, it's just a part of me now. And so I just accept it and, and move on. Yeah. Well, let us, let us move on then. Uh, let us talk about, I want to talk about the entirety of your competitive career. I want to look back at some of the highs and lows. So we're going to start with one of the lows. Can you take us back to what you would call your worst event or the worst day you had in competition or in sport? You know, you know, honestly, um, just looking back at even when I was in high school and even in college, um, you know, there's, there's definitely as an athlete, and I'm sure you know this too, um, there's definitely highs and lows. But I think probably one of the biggest lows for me was one specific show that I did probably three years ago. Um, it was out in Phoenix. I had family out there. And I, I, one of my really close friends who I would worked with, uh, he was um, part of this show out in Phoenix. And he kept asking me to do the show, do the show, do the show. So I ended up, you know, doing the show and I actually had bronchitis <laughs> at the time of the show, but I still did the show and I felt so good going into the show. I felt I looked great and I ended up 
um, placing last in my, it was a 45 or 47 plus category. And I was just, I mean, it was the first time that I actually left and just bawled and was just so upset and so distraught. And, you know, a lot of times I've accepted, you know, coming in, especially now that I'm a pro, I've done three pro shows and I've, I've come in at the bottom every single show. I'm competing against, you know, professionals that are 25 years younger than me. I'm just doing it now because, you know, you work hard to get your pro status. I'm just going to do these pro shows now because it's not about winning now for me. It's just about the journey. But, you know, back then when everything is you're an amateur and even when you're in high school or even in college, um, it's just that you think when you have that mindset that, you know, you've done the best you can do and you give it your all and then they still slap that, you know, last place finish or you come in last or, or you choke or whatever the reason might be. It was just like, you know, I had to physically pick myself off the floor, dust myself off and go, okay, I don't understand why this happened, but I just need to move on and just um, look at it as a life experience. So sometimes I realize that I can't, especially at my age, um, put too much emphasis on, you know, winning because especially in bodybuilding, you know, there are age categories, but when, since I'm usually probably usually the oldest person in these categories, um, I think it's great to have a positive mental mindset, but at the same time, you have to have a real a realistic mindset too. Yeah. And the, the, the coaches that day just were not looking for um, a physique like mine. And they told me that I was um, too lean and that I needed to um, fill out more. And I was just, my coaches and I were kind of like just blown away when we got the pictures back. But, you know, bodybuilding is a very subjective sport because the judges are always different and the girls that you compete against are always different too. You never know who's going to show up and you never know what the judges are looking for. So, you know, that was a huge lesson to me that I can't go in with that kind of frame of mind that I have to go in, like this is the best I'm doing. And regardless of where I place, I accept it and then just move on. Yeah. Yeah. And just as long as you put out your best effort, you know, it was a good day. Exactly. So on the other side, uh, tell me about your best day or your best event or your best competition. Well, obviously it was last year at Masters Nationals, um, you know, when I um, won my pro card because that's everybody's dream. And, you know, some women are, you know, genetically gifted and are able to put on muscle and do things a lot quicker than someone like me who's, you know, I'm five nine and most of the judges feedback is I had this long, lean, angular look. And so it's tough for me to put on muscle because of my, you know, long limbs. So um, it was just a, it was just a, a surreal experience, extremely exciting um, with it being my 60th birthday, um, everything just fell into place. Um, the all the planets were aligned, and um, it just it just worked out. It, I'm still a year later, still you know kind of flabbergasted that that happened. But yeah, it was it, it was pretty awesome. It was just a perfect day. It was. So, what types of unique challenges, or perhaps even benefits, do you find you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at your sport at such a high level? Um, I think the benefits are. I, um, for one, I think, you know, in, in today's society, I just really think that there's a, like a new movement, at least what I'm seeing, and that age labels are being thrown out the window. 
Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of women, 40, 50, 60 and beyond, they're making, they're making a difference. They're smashing barriers. They're gracing covers of magazines. You know, I'm absolutely loving this. And it's, you know, I've always had this um, persona um, or mantra that, you know, age is irrelevant and it's never too late. And, you know, you know, don't, you know, just keep on, you know, eyes always forward. And I just think as an older athlete, I have a lot of younger athletes who are brand new to the sport who are asking me, you know, what, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? Or they're asking me to help them with their posing or how would you, you know, what, what would you eat if you were in my shoes? And so I just really think that I have an opportunity to share my wealth and share my knowledge, which is, you know, I think, you know, key because I think in anything that you start new, whether it be a job or a sport, you know, you always are going to have that one mentor. You're always going to look to people to help you along the way. Any types of little tips or tricks or, you know, any types of lessons um, would be helpful. So um, I think being a seasoned athlete and older, especially now in today's society where um, I think they're embracing, you know, older athletes, I just think I'm here at, at the right time to make a difference. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's really cool to see younger athletes really looking up to respecting, asking the advice of older athletes, because there was probably a time when older athletes were considered over the hill or not to be taken seriously or it just wasn't a thing that was happening all that much. So to see more and more older athletes just really not just getting out there and doing it, but doing it at a high level and having their younger, you know, competitors looking up to them and asking advice. It is, you said it's a movement and it's such a cool movement. And I agree that it's just getting bigger and bigger as I, as I continue to do this podcast and continue to find people to talk to. Um, I love just learning more about the stories of these athletes and and seeing it become more pervasive in our culture. I agree. I mean, it's honestly, there's, I don't think there's really any need to dread blowing out another birthday candle every year. I mean, I've, I embraced my fifties. I mean, it was, my fifties were probably the best years of my life to this point. And I'm super excited about my sixties. I mean, you know, things are just going along, you know, quite well. And I look forward to, you know, getting older, learning more, experiencing more. And I had a lot of, you know, people asking me, well, how much longer are you going to compete? And I said, until I get sick of it. And it, I, it's kind of strange to think, yeah, you know, who wants to see a 61 year old up on stage in, in a thong bikini? Um, and if somebody would have asked me that 40 years ago, you know, you know, what, what, what would you think if you would be, I could tell that you're going to be on stage in 40 years in a thong bikini, you know, parading around and in, in, in bikini contests, I would have, you know, really gotten a good laugh at that. But, you know, today I still enjoy it. And as long as I still enjoy it and I enjoy the journey and the process and my physique continues to improve and I continue to meet all these amazing women that I've met from all over the country, I'm going to continue. I'm, I'm definitely going to continue to do it. As you should. Uh, so you mentioned uh, your mantra, age is irrelevant. And you also told me that you're getting ready to launch a podcast, also called Age is Irrelevant. Uh, what is the goal you're looking to achieve through this podcast? Or what are the stories, what kinds of stories are you looking to share on that podcast? Well, I honestly think that, you know, it, once again, you know, women today are more aware of self-image. 
and whether it be internally, externally, you know, something specific about themselves or just overall general. And for me, it's kind of the same way. When I first started bodybuilding, I knew I wanted to do it, but I just didn't know how. So I just think that there's a lot of information out there that um, I think a lot of women would be thrilled to learn, and I just kind of want to expose them to that. So this podcast is going to be devoted to, you know, women over 40, 50, 60, and beyond, and I would like to just do like a big giant scope of things. I mean, fitness, health and beauty, um, hormonal issues, you know, emotional stress, you know, meditation, just bring in women over 40 who can help share knowledge. I'm a big podcaster. I love listening to podcasts, and I've learned so much just by listening to podcasts. So I just really think that I could, you know, probably help women improve their livelihood and age more gracefully as they continue to age. And it's it's a market that that definitely needs to be reached, which is why, you know, I do this podcast. And and I actually have always had women in mind uh, when I do this podcast. I interview men and women and I definitely, you know, I know the podcast appeals to men and women, but I know that women need to hear this message first and foremost, because there's so many women out there that don't believe in what they can do and don't don't you know they they believe they reach a certain age and and certain things are not accessible to them and so i definitely agree with you that that we want to sort of get past that and help women realize what they can do who they could be all the cool things and amazing things that you can do and be at any age. So I applaud you for entering that market as well. Um, and as a fellow podcaster, I support it. Thank you. I, I was thrilled when, when I found your podcast. I was like, this is just right up my alley. And some of your guests have just been fantastic. I mean, I loved your interview with Liz Sharp. I was just, I thought that was just awesome to hear her speak. Yeah. And she just went back to the senior games and earned a bunch of medals again. So she's still at it. That That's amazing. And that's just another example. And yeah. so I really just, that there's just so much, you know, untouched territory out there and that um, women shouldn't, you know, turn 50 or turn 60 or, or even turn 40 and say, okay, well, you know, this is it for me. I mean, it's not. It's never going to be it. It's never too late. And, you know, the big wide world is out there just waiting. It's just a matter of, you know, getting direction and then, you know, just opening up that information highway and just, you know, driving right through. Yeah. And, I mean, if you and I can help women – and men, but help anybody stop dreading their birthdays and start being excited about getting older, then we've done our job. I agree 100%. And it's, it's, it's great, especially for someone like you, because, you know, you're so inspirational as far as your training. I know that you do Spartan races also, correct? Yes. And so, I mean, all that's wonderful. And especially, you know, at our age, I just, I, uh, I applaud, I totally applaud anybody who is, you know, in this whole realm, but just to see older athletes compete and then do well, I just, I'm just so fired up. I get so fired up about stuff like that. And I just am thrilled to to see all this kind of thing going on today. Yeah, I get fired up too. Every time I talk to somebody for the show, I'm always super fired up afterwards. I I always say every time I get off of an interview, I want to like go for a run or go to the gym or do something active because I'm so amped up by their story. And, and it's just, it, you know, I, I joke that I do this podcast 
for selfish reasons to inspire myself. Um, but I, you know, it's always my goal to, you know, I always hope that other people are inspired as well, but yeah, it's super inspiring to talk to people on the show yourself included. So before we go, uh, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey or your life journey that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, yes. And I, I honestly think that a lot of people, um, want to pursue something and they are looking at the big picture and they're looking at the end result and then they'll start their journey and then they usually end up failing because I honestly think that they're, they take on too much at one time. And for me, I've learned that like I, I set my goals, win my pro card and then I just start taking baby steps. You know, I, it's just not, it's just not an overnight thing that you can do. So I think regardless of what your goal is or your dream, your ambition, your, your drive that you need to, you know, break things up and just, you know, compartmentalize and then set goals, but short-term goals. So once you reach that, once you reach that first goal, then you can reward yourself and then move on to the second goal. And I just think that it's going to be a lot easier to attain something more monumental in that respect versus just looking in the future and coming up with a plan but not executing it properly and then giving up because you're not getting the results that you want as quickly as you want them. So I just think short-term baby steps are a key to – anything successful in life. Yeah, I agree with that. So any, any big dream that you have, you know, create an action plan, break it down into steps and uh, put in place some benchmarks along the way so that, you know, as you are going, you're, you're reaching those smaller wins that help you on the way to your big win. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's been, that's been hugely successful for me. And I've seen it, you know, successful for a lot of other people, too. So I really, truly believe that um, regardless of what it it, it could be in your job or or anything, it's just that if you just um, take smaller steps to, you know, get to where you want to go, you're going to get there a lot quicker than just trying to take that one big giant leap. Yes, exactly. And uh, that's excellent advice. It's almost like the the tortoise in their theory. It's like, you know, be methodical in your process rather than trying to, to shortcut to the finish line. You're exactly slow and steady does win the race. Uh, uh, that is a hundred percent true. So, um, finally, if anyone wants to learn more about you, uh, how can they do that? Um, well, I am on Instagram and it's at, uh, Helen Fritch, H E L E N F as in Frank, R I T S C H. Um, I'm also on Facebook, uh, same name, Helen Fritch. And then I do have a, a little, um, fitness page and it's um, if, if you go to my main page on facebook there's a link that you can click on to my um ifbb pro masters um, page also too and i kind of give fitness little tips and tricks and work like exercises and just a more health related um fitness page that's where i facebook stalked you uh, and and that's where i was like she's 61 what? So y'all go take a look at that page and I'm sure you will agree with me. Um, Helen's 
looking amazing. It sounds like you're feeling amazing and you're living your best life. I am definitely living my best life and I feel extremely blessed and I look forward to the future and and what it holds for me. Awesome. Well, Helen, thank you for being on the season athlete. You're truly showing the benefits of living a healthy lifestyle and that age is irrelevant to achieving your dreams, whether it's athletic, competitive, life, work, anything really. Uh, it's, it's really cool to have another person out there helping people realize that they're capable of amazing things regardless of age. So thank you for spreading this important message, keeping the movement going and just being generally awesome. So thank you again for being on the show. Well, thank you, Robin. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was awesome talking to you. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Helen Fritch. Number one, in any competitive endeavor, mindset is crucial. As Helen said, it will make you or break you. Training is important, but make sure you're training your mind along with your body. A positive and strong mindset can help you achieve what to some may seem impossible. Number two, we all talk about how hard it can be to eat well when traveling. Well, Helen is a flight attendant who had to keep a super disciplined diet while training for her competition, and she found a way to make it work. Where there's a will, there's a way. And if you want something bad enough, you can't let excuses or inconvenience get in the way. There are always solutions. And number three, ambitious goals are amazing. Ambitious goals should be encouraged, but to achieve them, it's important to break them up into smaller, more easily achievable chunks. By doing that and allowing yourself to celebrate the small wins along the way, you're far more likely to achieve that big, bold goal. Thanks again to Helen Fritsch. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from the uber-awesome Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and get to know our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com and learn about how to train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can.